Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. So Paul's letting him know, he's like, listen, I, this thing you have with Onesimus, I need you guys to settle this. See, when Onesimus showed up to Paul, he wasn't a believer. He wasn't a believer, but he received the gospel message. He got saved. And so now you're dealing with an issue of two brothers in the Lord. What do you do with a person who's not a believer? Well, you should probably forgive them. Well, that doesn't seem right. Well, how about you talk to Jesus about that? Remember when he was on the cross and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Can you think of a person in your life that you struggle with? Well, the Apostle Paul speaks about that in the book of Philemon. In today's episode, Pastor James explains Paul's message to his fellow prisoners. He tells them to settle their arguments and to forgive their enemies. We're called to do the same and to not hold grudges against others. It might feel unjust to forgive those who have wronged us, but it's important for us to remember that even though we have wronged him, Jesus still died for us. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Philemon chapter 1 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. I'm going to pray, and we're, going to, we're just going to jump right into this thing, okay? Let me pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this day. I thank you so much for another day, Lord, a gift from you. We're, we're just grateful for all the things that you have done in our lives, the things that, things that you're continuing, continuing to do within our lives, Lord. Lord, we just thank you for your grace and your mercy within our lives. And I pray that we're excited for whatever it is that you have in store for us. And we don't even know if we get tomorrow, but Lord, we have today. We have today, and so may today be the day where we praise you. May today be the day where we glorify you. Maybe today, Lord, would be the day where we can truly, truly just rejoice in the freedom that you've given to us, Lord. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So Philemon, I don't have to do much as far as the background and all that stuff goes because of the Bible Project. That's why I love those guys, because they do a lot of my work for me. So BibleProject.com, just go there and check it out. That is an organization that we do support. But this is a small little book. It's a, it's a personal letter. It's the only personal letter from the Apostle Paul, the only one we have record of, okay? This was written to his friend Philemon, all right? Philemon's a, a key part of the story. So you have three main characters within the story. You have Paul, you have Philemon, and you have Onesimus, all right? Um, so this little story kind of plays out where there was drama, Drama within, the, uh, drama within the work environment. Yeah, go figure, right? You're like, yeah, we, we all know what that kind of feels like. Just so you understand, in case you weren't paying attention, maybe you fell asleep during the video, but uh, Onesimus was employed by Philemon in a way of slavery. Slavery was common. Back in the day in Rome, it was said there was over like 6 million slaves in Rome at that point in time, okay? Um, and it, it's there were a lot of slaves that were forcefully put into slavery. However, there was another side of it where individuals chose to be slaves or servants within the household of certain families. We don't know which one Onesimus, which category he falls into. We don't know. Um, He was a slave to Philemon, which would indicate for us that Philemon was an extremely wealthy individual. Okay, He owned slaves. uh, Onesimus wasn't his only slave, but that tells us that he he had money. Uh, the fact that he had a church in his house also communicates to us that he probably had a, you know, a, a fairly large house. 
and he housed a, a house church within there. But he was connected, Philemon was connected to Paul, probably by way of one of Paul's missionary journeys, okay? So this, this is kind of the background. But Paul is writing from prison. This is a prison epistle. So as Paul is chained to a Roman guard, we really think that Paul is writing from Rome. There's some guys who would say maybe he's writing from Ephesus. The majority of individuals believe he's, he's writing from Rome in his imprisonment there, and he is literally chained to a guard all the time. So as he's there, he did more in prison than I've done in my entire life for Jesus, okay? Uh, I'll just say that right now. Read through the New Testament, and especially, more specifically, all the letters that Paul has written, that guy did more chained up next to a Roman soldier than I've done in 20 years of following Jesus. Like, what's, what's my excuse? What's my excuse? Paul, like, can't go anywhere. Yeah, he did all these missionary journeys and all that stuff. He, he did all that, but it was in the prison times where he's writing the letters. It's in the prison times when he's encouraging the body, when he's strengthening the body. Don't let your dungeon time, your prison time discourage you because maybe that's where you're most effective. Just a little insight, just a little. That's actually, that's not even in my notes. I don't have notes, but that's not even in my notes, okay? So don't, if you feel discouraged, like I'm just in the pit and all that stuff, that might be the best place for you to be. That might be where you're most effective. I don't know. That's where Paul was most effective. He was locked up. And as he's locked up, he's like, well, what can I do? I can tell, I can convert half of these Roman guards, because that's what he does. He leads half of those guys to the Lord. But he's like, well, I can write. I can encourage. So that's what he does. He writes these letters. In God's sovereignty, this runaway slave, Onesimus, ends up in Paul's audience. We don't know how. We don't know if Onesimus, if he got arrested for something in a, in a city as populated as Rome is, and there's the Apostle Paul, of all people and of all times and all places, he ends up in Paul's presence. That's called the sovereignty of God. That means that God's in control. He's in control. He's certainly not limited by our circumstances. He's not limited by time frame. He's not limited by anything. When he wants something to happen, he will make it happen in the way that he wants it to happen. When he wants whoever it is in your life to show up at your doorstep on that right day, he will make it happen. Don't worry about what you'll say. He'll give you the words. He'll give you the words. Or maybe you're the one who ends up on somebody else's doorstep. And they'll give, praying that the Lord will give them the words for you. However that works out, this is the scenario in this letter. Onesimus, was, he, wasn't a good, he wasn't a good worker. His name means uh, basically helpful, okay, um, to a certain extent. That's, that's, my, that's my, uh, my kind of rough translation of that. It means beneficial. Um, he was anything but that for Philemon. He runs away. Maybe he stole some money. We have no idea, but he ends up in Paul's presence and we're, let's just walk through this. As Paul is, he's writing this letter, more than likely, this letter would be delivered to Philemon by the hand of Onesimus. So understand that too, okay? So here's Paul, his intro to, to, this, uh, to his friend uh, Philemon. He says, this letter is from Paul in prison for what? For preaching the good news about Christ Jesus and from our brother Timothy. So there Timothy is with him. Paul is in jail. He's not a prisoner. Uh, you, your new, li- or new king or ESV may say that, um, identify him. He's a, prisoner for, he's a prisoner of Christ is what it is. He's not a prisoner of Rome. He just happens to be there. He, he is a, a bondservant, a slave by choice to Jesus for proclaiming the good news. They got him locked up. 
but Timothy is there with him. It says, it is written to Philemon, our much-loved co-worker, and to our sister, uh, Apaphia, and to Archippus, a fellow soldier of the cross. I am also writing to the church that meets in your house. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Those are two things that are always connected to the Lord Jesus. Um, You want peace? Well, you you need to experience the grace of God, okay? You need both of these things in your life. You need grace and you need his peace. But here's Paul addressing this letter to Philemon, to Epiphia. More than likely, that's Philemon's wife. And Archippus is more than likely his son, okay? So Philemon is a, he has a church. It's happening in his house. How big is his church? We don't know. But we know this, it consists of three people, him, his wife, and his son. You're like, that's not a church. No, that's totally a church. Who else do you need? Who else do you need? If you got Jesus, that's all you need. Jesus, maybe a couple other people. Uh, you want to be in the ministry? Well, start in, your ha- start in your house. Start in your family. Everybody's in the ministry. You a follower of Jesus? Welcome to the ministry. Well, I don't have my own church. Well, do you have a house? Do there are people who live in your house? Welcome to your church that the Lord has entrusted to you which you will be held accountable for. There's some pressure. There you go. There you go. This is Philemon. Philemon is like, he's running this house church. We don't know how many people are there. This, this would be read to, the, to all the churches in the Colossian region of, uh, of that. But here, here he is. He's got a home church. He's got his wife that's there, his son that's there. And Paul's familiar with all those guys. And so he's sending them this word of encouragement. Your partners, your co-workers, your co-laborers, we have this, as they said, this koinonia type thing going on. Koinonia has a special meaning for myself and my wife because when we were in Bible college, Thursday nights were koinonia night, which meant we had like, I don't even know what happened before it because, you know, there was some sort of meeting in a chapel, but it was what happened afterwards that mattered the most. That's when they dished out all the cookies, okay? So it was koinonia, it was cookie night for us uh, at Bible college. I don't know what we did in the chapel. There was probably a teaching and probably some worship. I don't know, Uh, but I was stoked about all the cookies that the kitchen staff made for us Bible college students who were, you know, poor Bible college students. We were all excited to go and break bread uh, in the cafeteria, right? For us, Koinonia will always have that, that, that connection for me. Um, it's fellowship. But here Paul is writing to him, and he's, he's going to prop him up. He's going he's to encourage him. He's not manipulating him, but he is encouraging him. He does need him to do something, but this isn't like manipulation. Okay, I'm going to try to work you before I ask you to do something. That's, that's not what he's doing. He is legitimately, this is a heartfelt encouragement from Paul saying, hey, man, say hi to your family. Say hi to your family. So proud of you and that house church that you guys have going on and how you represent Jesus. I mean, look what he says. Verse four, he says, I always thank God when I pray for you, Philemon, because I keep hearing about your trust in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people. You are generous because of your faith. And I am praying that you will really put your generosity to work for in doing so, you will come to an understanding of all the good things we can do for Christ. I myself have gained much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because your kindness has so often refreshed the hearts of God's people. What an, encur- what a, what an encouragement from the Apostle Paul. I mean, if he were to write me a letter, I have no idea what it would say, but I don't think it would say any of that stuff. I'd, I'd kind of be dreading that, like opening that letter from the Apostle Paul. I'd be like, oh man, what's, what's he heard? What's he found out? 
for Philemon, he's like, I, I can't believe it. He's like, I'm amazed how much you love the Lord, your faith, your generosity, how other people are talking about your relationship with Jesus. Question for us, what are other people talking about concerning you? I hope it's about Jesus. I hope it would be about our relationship with the Lord. That's what I hope. That should be our goal. When other people talk behind your back, surprise, surprise, people will always talk behind your back. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's not good. But I, I would want that one point of accusation to be, that person just won't stop talking about Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that's, I hope that that's the impression that we leave upon them. That's what Philemon did. Everywhere he went, he was loving people. He was representing, he was representing Jesus. He's a man who surrendered his life to the Lord. He, he, t- he received that free invitation. You guys remember from Matthew chapter 11, where the Lord Jesus said, hey, anyone who's thirsty, come to me, come to me. That's a free invitation. That's an invitation for salvation. You need, you need rest? Are you warring? Are you warring within yourself? Do you need rest? Come to me, come to me. That's, that's like a, the free gift, the free opportunity for salvation. He had received that. And Philemon had even gone on to the next level where Jesus would, a few chapters later in Matthew, tell his, all, of, all his followers, he's like, listen, if you want to follow me, take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. See, that's the next level in Christianity. You could be saved and be good. Doesn't necessarily mean you're a disciple, though. Philemon was a guy who said, I want the free gift of salvation, and then I want to take up the cross, and I want to walk with you. I want to follow you. There's a third level that Paul is pushing Philemon into, because that's what good mentors do. They push you, okay? They push you into places where you're not comfortable so that you can grow. The third level to that is found in John chapter 15, where Jesus tells his followers, listen, you need to abide in me. You need to abide in me. That's a whole nother dynamic, because you can receive the free gift of salvation. You can deny yourself and pick up the cross and follow him, but to abide in him is a whole nother thing where you're sitting there and you have this communal, beautiful relationship with Jesus where he gets to speak into your life and you're opening up the word of God. That's why we place emphasis on, on not just reading this thing, but meditating on the scriptures. That's abiding so that the spirit can work in and through you and so that you begin to produce fruit because a disciple produces fruit. And that only happens when you abide in Christ. Paul is pushing Philemon, and Philemon has been producing fruit. There's no, there's no doubt about that. But Paul, as a good mentor, as a good pastor, is going to continue to press Philemon into areas where he just might not feel comfortable. This is where we get the story of Onesimus, because this is a story within his life. This is a real issue. What do you do when somebody wrongs you? What do you do when somebody wrongs you? Well, you seek out revenge. Well, no, you don't. Not if you're a Christian. Because God says, let me fight your battles. I got your back. I got your back. But Lord, you're not going to do it when I want you to. I know. You're not going to do it how I want you to. I know. I'm going to do it the right way, the perfect way, at the right time. Well, how are you going to do that? Because I can envision myself as being in Philemon's shoes here and as somebody who maybe was very close to you, I mean, worked side by side with you, just totally stabs you in the back and runs away with something that's valuable to you. And his prayers could be like, oh, Lord, get him, get him, give him what he deserves. Well, 
the thing he may not have been thinking of was uh, salvation. We don't know if Philemon was praying for the salvation of his rebellious servant, but that's what happened. Isn't God's revenge, quote unquote, beautiful, where he can say, yeah, I'll take on this, miss. Don't worry, I'll deal with him. I'm going to save him. I'm going to save him. And then you two get to hang out forever in a new heaven and a new earth. So you might want to restore that relationship today. You might want to do that today because you're going to see him a lot from here on out. So here's Philemon. Here's Paul addressing this letter to Philemon. Uh, but Paul's, he's letting him know he, he really is encouraged by all the things that he's reading and all the things that he's hearing. He, he really is encouraged by everything that's going on. But as a good mentor, as a good pastor, he needs to press him. And that's where we see verse 8. That is why I am boldly asking a favor of you. Or that is why, uh, this is a New Living Translation here, but ESV, New King James would say, I beseech you. I beseech you. I'm not going to tell you what to do, but man, I'm really going to strongly encourage you to do the right thing. I'm boldly asking a favor of you. I could demand it in the name of Christ because it is, it is the right thing for you to do. But because of, of our love, I prefer just to ask you. Basically, Paul is saying there, he's like, listen, I'm an apostle. I'm an apostle. I'm a pastor. I could say, hey, Philemon, you know what's right. Just do it. And Philemon could do it begrudgingly. And then nothing is fixed within Philemon's heart. What Paul is doing here with his friend Philemon, he's saying, listen, you know what's right to do. I'm not going to tell you what to do. But here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to hear the Lord on this thing. I'm asking you to hear the Lord on this thing and for you to take action on what you know is right to do. But I'm going to put the ball in your court. You do what's right to do. I, I, I love that because that's, that's true mentorship. That's, uh, that's, that's placing responsibility on the other individual. It's not holding their hand through something. It's just saying, listen, you got a relationship with the Lord. You know what's right. So why don't you just listen to him and do what he tells you to do? Can I, st- can I stand up here and say, hey, this is what's right. Do it. Sure. But it means more. And Paul, Paul got this. He, he's letting him know. He's like, listen, it, it just means more if you, if you understand, if you hear the Lord on this one, you just do what's right. Just do what's right. I know he wronged you. We'll deal with that in a second. But you know, you know what the right thing to do is. He's building him up. He's also letting him know. Um, he's, he goes on verse 9. It says, so take this as a request from your friend Paul, an old man. I like that, New Living Translation. <laughs> this is Paul getting close to the end of his time. He says, an old man, now in prison for the sake of Christ Jesus. Verse 10, my plea is that you show kindness to Onesimus. I think of him as my own son because he became a believer as a result of my ministry here in prison. Onesimus hasn't been uh, of much use to you in the past or hasn't been profitable to you in the past, which is what his name means. It's a wordplay thing. He's been useless to you. But now he is very useful to, not just to me, but to both of us. So Paul's letting him know, he's like, listen, this thing you have with Onesimus, I need you guys to settle this. See, when Onesimus showed up to Paul, he wasn't a believer. He wasn't a believer, but he received the gospel message. He got saved. And so now you're dealing with an issue of two brothers in the Lord. What do you do with a person who's not a believer? Well, you should probably forgive them. Well, that doesn't seem right. Well, how about you talk to Jesus about that? Remember when he was on the cross and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do? To the same to people that jammed those nails into his wrist and into his feet. Remember Stephen? We just went through this story in Acts. 
as those Jew, the, the Jewish religious leaders are hurling these massive stones at him, they're killing him, and he would have the audacity to say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The most freeing thing you can do is to forgive. It's the, it's the most freeing thing any of us can do. Now, I understand throughout lives, I mean, you're probably going to experience all kinds of hurts, and they're unjust and all that stuff. And we're not saying to become anybody's doormat or to forgive and forget. That's actually, no, we're not talking about any of that stuff. There would be wisdom in forgiving, but then also keeping up boundaries. Like, I'm going to forgive you, but, uh, you know, as far as relationship goes, this is about as close as it gets. And there's nothing wrong with that. You don't have to just forgive somebody who's wronged you terribly and then supposed to like embrace them as your best friend and be all lovey-dovey to them and all that stuff. That's not what it's talking about. You got to be wise. Wise as serpents, gentle as doves. And you got to figure that thing out through the, through the Holy Spirit working in you to say, to know how to forgive people so that you are not imprisoned by your own bitterness or resentment. Here's the danger for Philemon. Burnout. Burnout. We hear this a lot in the church world. Uh, we think wrongly that burnout is a result of doing too much. That's not always true. More cases have been found that burnout, uh, more than 80 some odd percent of the time, is due to bitterness and resentment than actually doing too much. Little wrong, little maybe a miscommunication, plants a seed of bitterness. Over time, the joy of ministry dwindles and goes away. And then you feel like, Man, I feel, just feel burnt out. I need to take a break. I need to take a step away. It's good. Take a step away. Take a break. That's fine. Um, but you ultimately need to deal with the bitterness. You need to deal with the wrong. How do you deal with the wrong? Forgive them. They don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. We don't deserve it. But it's within what's granted to us from the greatest person in the world. His name is Jesus. Bitterness will take you out, period. It'll take you out. That is a self-imprisonment that we've used this illustration before. That would be you after Jesus has walked through the prison and busted off all the locks of the doors and opened up the doors and said, hey, whoever wants to come out can come out. You want rest? You're thirsty? Whatever you want, come and follow me. You go out there. And then somebody says something that you don't like or they steal your seat or your parking spot or whatever it is. The equivalent to that is when that bitterness takes root into your heart, it's the same as you turning around and hopping back into that jail cell and closing the door yourself. There's no lock on the door because it's been broken off by Jesus, but you have imprisoned yourself by holding on to that bitterness. Now, there's a whole lot that's here. I understand that, I mean, there's healing that needs to take place with, we talked about this last week, um, counselors and all that. Hey, do that. Do that. Do that. Get healed. Help. Get help. Do all that stuff. But ultimately, it does come down to, are you the one who's holding the prison door shut? If that's the case, well, you need to forgive. You got to forgive. Letting all the stuff go. Let it all go. Best way I was taught in how to deal with some of that stuff is to write a letter. Just write it out. Write it out. Um, I dealt with that. You guys know some of my story in dealing with my dad, who was a person that I just despised for most of my life. Um, but it took me writing a letter of what? Of forgiveness that really broke free in my life. Like the burden was taken off of me. Hopeless, hopeless, 
Thanks for joining us today on Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. Pastor James has been teaching through the book of Philemon. One of the biggest takeaways from this book is that there's a fundamental theme of forgiveness for wrongdoing. Once you realize that this letter is a perfect depiction of Jesus and his forgiveness of your wrongdoing, you'll appreciate it all the more. This isn't just a letter that's written years ago. This is what it looks like to live out the gospel. Is there someone in your life who has wronged you and desperately needs your forgiveness? If so, maybe think about calling them today, sending them a text, or even better, meeting them in person. Making things right with them will put your heart and theirs in a place that gives peace that only God can provide. We're so glad that you tuned in to study God's Word with us today. If you missed any part of today's teaching, you can listen to it again online at breadforthebroken.com. Once you're there, simply click on the Listen tab. If you're looking for a church to call home, we would love to be that type of community for you. Bread for the Broken is a ministry of Calvary in Galveston. You can get in touch with us by filling out the contact form at our website, breadforthebroken.com. Be sure and let us know how we can be lifting you up in prayer when you do. That's all we have time for today, but we encourage you to keep reading on your own until the next edition. There's more to learn from the book of Philemon, and Pastor James looks forward to sharing these things with you once again here on Bread for the Broken.